Welcome, everybody, to Talk is Cheap, the fight against mediocrity. Today, we have Chase Johnson on the podcast. Uh, Chase was born in Ogden, Utah, and then later moved to City City, where he eventually earned a degree at Southern Utah University. While attending SUU, he met his wife, who was recruited from Russia to play tennis, which is really cool. After six years working in sales at Gold's Gym, he started working for Vivint, selling security and home automation door-to-door. Vivint eventually led him to San Antonio, Texas, where he continued to be very successful selling. Around that time, he started focusing more on real estate, and his passive real estate income quickly replaced his earned income, and real estate turned into, into his passion. Real estate has provided Chase, his wife, and their two hound dogs more freedom than they've ever experienced before. Welcome, Chase. Super excited to have you on today. Thank you so much. I'm really glad you brought up my, my dogs. So I love them probably more than any any human. <laughs> That's good, dude. So, I'm surprised yeah, they're not right there with you then. I know. Yeah, yeah. If I was home, they'd be, you know, maybe right next to me. Oh, so they follow me all over the house. Cool, dude. Well, tell us about your journey in sales and real estate. Yeah. So honestly, as far as real estate goes, I started uh, fairly uh, passive. Um, my plan um, was, you know, to eventually find a job and work for a company that really, you know, allowed me the time and uh, freedom, I guess, to pursue, you know, other avenues such as real estate. So um, I knew fairly quickly that, you know, after working, you know, in like a corporate type setting that you know, your typical nine to five job wasn't gonna allow me the autonomy that I needed. Um, just because I mean, I, I was in sales, you know, and nine to five in sales, it's never truly nine to five, mm-hmm. you know, especially for me, it actually honestly turned into probably like 8am to like, you know, sometimes midnight. So because I was working in, uh, no, sorry, living in Cedar City, um, going to school, working at Gold's Gym, and then I would drive to St. George back and forth, you know, so it was really crazy, but yeah. So, um, during this time, so it was actually towards the end of working at Gold's. I, I was uh, presented to work as a 1099 employee, right. Um, for Vivint selling, uh, security and home automation. Right. So the idea was that, you know, we'd, uh, work all summer and cram 12 months worth of, you know, your traditional type work into, you know, four to six months, And then I would use the rest of the time to pursue things like real estate, right? So um, when I made the commitment to, you know, leave the kind of, you know, I guess corporate world, um, that was when, you know, I I thought to myself, okay, like if I'm going to do this, I need to consume anything and everything real estate in order to make it work, right? Mm -hmm. So what I did was for probably... I don't know, I would say three to four years. I just, I read as many books as I could. Um, My YouTube feed, it's filled with anything and everything real estate. It's like, you know, finance, how to find deals, all that. So um, I I talked to anybody and everybody that I could who was, you know, kind of already in this space, um, which for me ended up being uh, like my greatest source of, you know, like, uh, I guess, learning. So but yeah, I'd, I'd pick their brain, you know, just learn as much as I could from them. So um, I think it was around uh, 2015. Yeah, 2015. We uh, bought a townhome in Saratoga Springs, Utah, um, that we started making money on, right? Because it was right around this time that I moved to San Antonio, but my wife, she stayed back, right? So 
uh, we found renters, uh, you know, um, that could move in with her and we started making money off of that. Right. So we weren't paying the mortgage, right. We were making money off of it. So, um, when I got, uh, let's see, so we held that property for, I would say a couple of years. Um, shortly after we got it, they announced that they were going to build a Saratoga Springs temple. Uh, I remember I was actually at the gym in San Antonio. Um, and they announced that they were going to build that temple. And I text my wife, I'm like, babe, we just made a lot of money on that property. Yeah, so, seriously. cause historically what happens is when they announce that, you know, the property values, they kind of skyrocket. So we kind of looked into that. So, but, and um, the, and for those of you who aren't from Utah or anything, like when he says there's a temple announced there, it's a, a temple for the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And the majority of, uh, maybe not now, but, um, there's a lot of members of, of that church in Utah. And so whenever there's a temple announced, that area seems to rise in, in value. So anyways, keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, so um, we actually, we cashed out on like, you know, 70, 80K in equity. Um, yeah. But what we did was we actually did uh, what's called a 1031 exchange, where we took the, um, the equity in that house and we actually rolled it over into two uh, like investments in San Antonio, right? So that honestly was the true catapult for us. It really was. So it was probably the best deal ever when we got into it. And I was so confident. I'm like, babe, like, don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> I promise it's going to work out. And it ended up, you know, working out really well for us. So, but, um, uh, so yeah, so, uh, that was when, I, when we moved to San Antonio. So, uh, when I felt like, you know, I was finally ready to pull the trigger on a fix and flip, which is ultimately, you know, my, 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 my goal. Um, I started reaching out to contacts that had properties that they were working on and offered to help them, uh, in any way that I could. Right. So I had a friend that, well, he turned into a friend. I set him up with a security system here in San Antonio. Um, he had properties that he was currently working on. I actually went to his properties and I helped him with like flooring and paint. And he fell through the, the ceiling at, at one point. I helped him fix it. But um, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it was a good experience for me, right? So that, you know, relationship kind of bloomed. Um, and, uh, you know, networking just kind of took off from there. So um, right around that time, though, I had a friend. He reached out to me who was trying to wholesale properties. And he asked me if I wanted to do a deal together, right, as far as a fix and flip. So we found a, a rehab job that we uh, did together. Um, we actually ended up netting $73,000 on that um, wow. after all expenses and everything. And that was five months worth of work. Yeah. Right? So and at that point, I had actually sacrificed um, summer sales time to make that work. But it ended up being probably one of the best things that I did because I made more in that five months than I probably would have um, going and selling. So yeah that ended up working out really well but um that uh <clears throat> that was kind of when i realized that you know i was a little bit more passive with real estate than i wanted to be but i think seeing the money itself come in it was like wow like i could really make this work you know so um but that's when you know i realized i kind of wanted to focus on it and turn it into more of a scalable business that's so cool i like how <clears throat> i think a lot of times you know someone looks at you and they're like holy crap, how did, how did he replace his earned income with passive income? Seems out of reach, but when you hear your story, you know, it was just 
little by little, hey, that first town home in Saratoga, which, you know, at the time, if if it's anything like like the people I've helped buy homes, it was probably scary. It's your first home. You don't really know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, you're like, oh, that wasn't too bad. That was easy. And then um, just went up from there. But one of the things that I really For liked sure. what you said is, and I hope the listeners caught it, is you said my YouTube feed was full of real estate videos. Like I would talk to everyone. And I think that's something important to, to point out in your journey is skills and knowledge come before money. Like you have to develop those skills. Tell us more about that. How important was it during that time of, of knowledge accumulation and skill accumulation? How important was that in your success? Honestly, it's so essential. It really is. And really it's the most fundamental thing if you think about it, because when it really comes down to it, um, you, there's things in life, right? You're like, okay, I don't know how to do this. So learn how to do it, you know? And it really is that simple, honestly. Um, people hit me up all the time and they're like, Hey Chase, you know, how do I do this? How do I do this? I'm like, well, I mean, the internet's free, you know? I mean, I'm always willing to help people out, but there's so much information out there. Um, and that's all free and it's seriously at the, you know, the tips of our fingers and all we really have to do is go out and get it. So um, I mean, if you're consistent enough, uh, and that really is the key, you have to be consistent with it. If you're consistent with it enough, you can learn literally anything you want, you know? Yeah. So for real estate, it's super, super important, honestly. So, yeah. And I mean, like you said, it's all there for free, but it's easy too. It's like some people think, oh, that's too easy. And then the easy things are the hard things like, yep. oh, it's there. It's too easy you know, there's gotta be another trick to it, but no, I really yeah, like that. For sure. Um, as you got into real estate, so I'm, I'm a huge advocate of sales. I love sales. Um, I mean, I think mm-hmm. everyone should be in sales. How important were your sales skills as you transferred into real estate? Uh, I mean, I'm a little biased. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that this sales itself, I mean, there's really nowhere to begin, I guess, or end with this question. But I mean, my sales skills, they've, they've helped me really tremendously, honestly. The hardest part about, you know, real estate investing is finding good deals to invest in. I mean, given that for, you know, a few years, uh, I mean, my sole job at Vivint was to, you know, get dropped off in a neighborhood and then hunt down, you know, deals. And that was probably the most valuable skill that I picked up on, right? So I remember being terrified to talk to somebody that I didn't know, you know, like it was so scary for me for some reason. So let alone con- cold contacting them, you know, at their mm-hmm. house. So fear of rejection was so real with me. I mean, sales, especially door to door. I mean, it faces you as rejection, literally like, you know, day after day, like second after it's, it's honestly, it's like, you knock on the door rejection, you knock on the next door rejection. So you get to the point where you become fairly numb or immune to it to the point where you don't even notice it, you know, it's almost like weird, you know, because it, uh, it translates into almost every other aspect of your life, you know, like you'll see, I mean, you'll be doing something completely random, right. Not even related to sales. And you're like, you run into kind of a speed bump and your mind is just so immune to like the rejection that you're just like, you're like, Oh, cool. And you figure out a way to get around it. You know what I mean? And that's essentially all sales really is, is just problem solving. That's really all it is. You know, yeah. if you can learn to solve problems, you know, you can, you know, 
be good really at anything. So, but I mean, now it's, it's really nothing for me to just go knock on a random door in a neighborhood and ask them if they're wanting to sell their house. Right. So I actually, the last property that we picked up, um, it actually came because I drove by, I saw the house and I noticed that it was, you know, not as nice as the other houses around it. So I knocked on her door and I asked her if she would be interested in selling. So given, you know, kind of how we structured the deal on it, um, we're, we actually walked into $60,000 in equity. So, um, we could sell the house right now and make, you know, money, but you know, we're going to keep it because we've got healthy cash flow every month on it. So I love it. So basically what you're saying is sales is a central life. Like everybody at at some point in their life, if they want to be successful need to learn the, the, the skill of sales, which is really just problem solving. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's probably the most essential skill in life (laughs) that you could possibly learn. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it really, all it is, it's simply, you have a defined starting point, you've got a defined end point, and then it's just figuring out a way to get there. So, I mean, like I said, it's just, it's more problem solving. So problem solving, it really is everything in life. You know, every day we wake up with some sort of goal that we know that we, that we need to get done, you know, no matter how, you know, trivial, even if it's going to the grocery store or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, sales, it gives you the tools that you need to find more efficient ways to, you know, navigate getting what you want. Yeah. And I mean, I think with real estate, real estate for sure is problem solving. Like there are so many unknowns in real estate. So you have to be ready to confront whatever comes at you and just be like, okay, cool. Let's figure it out. Um, yeah. Something when we were, uh, I think we were texting, you had mentioned, um, that you were, you were always really passionate about, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. So tell me if I'm saying something that's false, but you were telling me how real estate had always been your passion and, and selling at Vivin or whatever was kind of just a means to an end. But at one point mm-hmm. you woke up and you realized, man, I'm, st- I'm not where I want to be. I'm still here at Vivin. Like what's going on? Tell us about that because, mm-hmm. and the reason I ask is I think a lot of people get comfortable where they're at and wake up one day mm-hmm. and be like, crap, like, how did I get here? Time's flying by, like, tell us. And I think most people will just keep going. You, you're different. You made the switch, which is awesome. Um, so, so walk us through that and teach us, you know, how you made that switch, why you did it and how mm-hmm. others can do it as well. Yeah. So I, I had been, I, I realized that I'd been kind of putting it off for a while. So um, it was around the time that I, you know, figured out how to scale originally, I mean, acquiring real estate, it really seemed like such a daunting task, but I think it's because, you know, the path, it wasn't really laid out, you know, I mean, it was laid out, but I, I guess I hadn't actually really gone there before. So, I mean, you've heard the analogy, it's like driving a car at night, you know, you don't need to see, you know, what's a mile ahead of you. All you really need to see is the next, you know, 20, 30, whatever feet. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, so I mean, I think after, you know, reading and consuming real estate content, like I, I saw it laid out before me because, you know, I, I know I hadn't gone through the process physically, so it still didn't seem possible to me. So in life, I mean, I think a, a hard concept to, to grasp is knowing where you need to go, not really knowing how to get there, what it feels like, but jumping into it regardless, you know, that's really hard for people to, you know, to, uh, I guess, conceptualize. So 
um, fear of the unknown or fear of failure or loss or whatever. I mean, these are all things that held me back, right? It wasn't until, you know, I developed more of a relationship with fear and kind of changed my perception that I realized fear is more or less of a sign that uh, you should probably do it. And that's kind of like how I've kind of led, led my life since then. It's like, you know, you see something that scares you and you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I should probably do it. You know, so, because you end up, you end up being so grateful that you did it. You know what I mean? So no matter what the outcome, I mean, if you persist and, you know, more power to you, if you persist and fail, now at least you know what not to do. And the path, you know, before you, it's more clear than it probably ever could have been. And you have, you know, way more tools in your your tool belt um, to go out and make it happen. Either way, I think that you should never let fear stopping you or stop you from doing something that you wanted to do. So for me, you know, it just stopped me for too long. And I realized that, you know, hey, look, it's time to stop messing around, you know. So it's really crazy that what happened was, um, I remember the point. So we actually, my wife and I, we made a New Year's resolution to acquire four rentals in that year, right? So we actually ended up doing it in the first quarter. Wow. So uh ultimately i mean that changed you know um all all that really changed was my decision to act you know and that's kind of what changed for me and i think what it was was just setting your intention and putting it out there and then everything kind of aligns to you know make it happen for you yeah and i think that focus too like i want four units gonna do it focusing in on it i think that helps too Mm -hmm. because i had you ever set a goal before like a specific i want to hit this many number this number of units no, before? actually no yeah. we didn't there was really no specific number it was all just like kind of like up in the air you know like we had talked like oh we want to get into this and maybe do this and maybe this but we had never had you know like a specific number okay this is the date that we're going to do it um uh and you know this is how we're actually going to get there you know so but it really is crazy how like the universe kind of aligns everything once you set your your intention yeah and i love it and it's always so funny because in almost every, you know, self-development business book you read, it's like, write down your goals. There's power in writing down your goals. And I think it, it's to the point where we're kind of numb to it and we think, okay, yeah, I know. But that, that just shows right there what you did, you know, getting it on paper, writing it down, because our minds, we're good at tricking ourselves into thinking we're being specific, but our minds allow us to be so vague with what we're going towards. Um, yeah. I wanted to point something out that you said, and I don't even... I hope, I hope the listeners realized it. And if you didn't like go back a minute or two and listen to it, you said, um, I realized that I was succumbing to fear, basically, like I was letting fear hold me back, but then I faced it and I've always done that since. And then you said something really cool. I like how you said, you know, when you face fear, you're usually glad you did in the end. And even if you fail, even if like you face the fear and you fall flat on your face, at least you learned and then you know what not to do. So either way, Mm -hmm. if you're scared of something, like just do it because you're either going to succeed and be happy you did it or fail and learn what not to do. And I think sometimes people are, they get paralyzed by fear. Um, I know I have like, yeah. 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 I mean, it's kind of built into us, right? Like I have, I have such beef with like, you know, some methods of like traditional parenting because, you know, anytime that you're like, you know, like in public, right? You see parents talking to their kids. They're like, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. I mean, people have to have, you know, rules and, you know, regulations and stuff like that. Um, 
but I mean, I think for the most part, like not uh, doing something that we don't know how to do or whatever, it's kind of like, it's kind of, we're kind of beat down, you know, as children and we're taught, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And it's kind of sad, right? Because kids like, you know, all they really know is, hey, this is what I want. And they'll do literally, they'll, yeah. they'll bend heaven and earth to make it happen, you yeah. know? And that's just like, that's intuitive, you know, it's taught, I mean, it's, it's intuitive. We're born with it. But then life kind of like beats it out of you. And I think that, that it takes, you know, kind of a special person to really recognize that and be like, okay, look, like I was born knowing how to get what I want. I'm gonna, you know, rewire my brain and take the fact that, you know, hey, look, like this might scare me, but it's 100% irrelevant. It means nothing, you know, when it comes to getting what I want. Like if it's, if fear is stopping you, then you need to change your relationship with fear immediately because mm -hmm. it's holding you back. Yeah. No, I love that. And you're, you're totally right. I mean, you hear parents tell their kids and I wouldn't be surprised when I have kids, if this slips out every once in a while, because it's just so inherent in us, but like, don't talk to strangers, don't do this. But then I think that's one of the reasons people struggle with sales or getting into sales is because they've been told their whole life, like, don't talk to strangers. But then, you know, one day it dawned on me, like strangers have everything we want. Like, it was a stranger, the person who sold you the, all those houses, like a stranger, every yeah. time you knocked a door, who, who purchased a, a home automation system from you, like strangers have everything mm -hmm. that we want. I love that, dude. For sure. Yeah. Um, yep. Couple more questions as we wrap things up here. Um, I think we've, like I said, I had these questions here, but I think we've just like hit on them just in our conversation. Yeah. Um, I guess let's do three more questions. Why do you think this is always an interesting question? I like to ask people, you know, why do you think people settle settle for less than their full potential? Um, I mean, again, like I think I think for the most part, uh, there are a lot of people out there. Um, they weren't really given the tools or, you know, I guess the know how to really think bigger. So, I mean, like me personally, like I grew up on a farm in Utah where the meaning of work was just like instilled into my brain from like a very early age. And it was literally all that I knew. So thinking bigger, you know, knowing how to problem solve or working hard, it was just a way of life. Um, I mean, but you have people, I mean, they might've, you know, grown up in like a vacuum or whatever, right? Where thinking bigger, it's just not a skill that's really taught. So, I mean, you can't really blame them, right? But um, so they just kind of go throughout their lives living day to day. Um, but I do, I mean, I think that, that these people are kind of like an extreme minority and for the most part, I mean, everybody, they do have some sort of, you know, goal or wish or dream or whatever, but, um, I don't know my take on it. I think ultimately people, they fall into, I would say three categories, right? So you have the people where they're born, they live their lives. They're not ever really, you know, uh, taught that there's kind of a bigger world out there that they can pursue and they just kind of live day to day, like I was saying. So, um, they, uh, they might see, you know, things that they want to do and think, oh, I could have that one day, but um, everybody around them, they get up, they go to work, they come home and that's it. So that's all they know. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think that the second group of people, which I think most of the world falls into, they're the group where, you know, they have goals and wishes, you know, things that they want to accomplish, but um, you know, they might know that if they work hard, they set their minds to it, you know, they could have almost whatever they wanted, but 
you know, they might even start a new adventure or read a book or two, but they kind of bounce around from thing to thing and they don't really commit to one thing or the other. They lack the persistence or the focus, Mm -hmm. you know, on, on one thing and then get really good and then blow it up. Right. But I think the third group, uh, probably the most rare, I would say. And I think that's the group of people, you know, the people like us are in where they see something that they want to do and they just do it right. They do it because getting what they want, it really is that simple for me. I guess in my mind, it's always been, you know, this is what I want. I don't know how to get there. So I just need to learn how to get there. And it's that simple. Right. So I think, you know, once you learn how to get there, like, you know, all you need to do is just do it and that's it. Right. So um, for me though, up until recently, like I've kind of always been like a classic uh, overthinker. I'd come across like a real estate deal. For example, I run numbers on it. I talk to contractors, you know, I do, I look at comparables. I would talk to neighbors, you know, to see like what the neighborhood was like. I would do research and, you know, it was almost as if I was looking for some reason to kind of validate the fear that I was feeling and it stopped me from pulling the trigger on it. Right. So, um, some of my best deals though, they've actually come from me overthinking. Then I, like, I literally would wake up in the middle of the night. Um, and I just, I think to myself, wait, this is a good deal. Like, why, why am I sitting on it? Then I wake up the next day, I put in an offer, I put it under contract and it ends up being like a way better deal than, you know, I probably could have even imagined. Right. So, um, it happened with a deal that we did, uh, recently where we're doing a cash out refinance on, we should close on it. I think tomorrow, actually, um, we bought it at 60,000. Um, we put uh, 12,000 into it. And it appraised uh, at the refinance for 160,000, wow. right? So yeah, so the difference we're actually pulling out 75% on uh, doing a cash out refinance and we're putting into more deals, right? But you know, ultimately I think it does come back to fear. I mean, being faced with the fear daily, it's really helped me see that, you know, if I'm confident in the numbers or the process or the outcome, like I said, the fears, I mean, it's irrelevant. So, but the only way to change your relationship with fear is you have to first become confident in the process itself, right? So once you become confident in the process, fear of failure becomes a non-factor, you know? And like I said, it turns into an indicator that you should probably jump or, you know, mm-hmm. jump at something. Yeah. And I, you mentioned it before. I mean, in order to gain that confidence, like at some point you just have to start and just try it and just mm-hmm. go for it. Um, and yep. I think that's a, that's a probably the most profound answer anybody's given me. So I really, really like that. I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I tell everybody that a lot of people start very few finish and that's with anything. Like mm-hmm. everybody has a gym membership in January, but in December, you know, you'll see the true people who are in there, but, um, yeah. no, nah, dude, I love that so much. And one of the things that I was going to say that you mentioned earlier that you just mentioned again is a lot of people just don't know how to, I don't know if they don't know how to think big. I think they dream, but it's not real. Like Mm -hmm. it's a dream. It's a fantasy, but it's like, I could never do that. And I think that's one Mm -hmm. of the reasons the internet is changing the world so much is because there are people who are sharing how to do things. Whereas before it was so difficult to get access to that. And so people are starting to believe, wow, I could do that too. I know that's for me. Like, um, I believe what I can do probably for the most part because of other people saying, oh yeah, I did it. And it wasn't very hard. Like you could do it too. 
yeah, it really is. It really is cool to see. I mean, you got platforms like, you know, TikTok or Reels or Instagram or whatever, where, you know, you see all these people with all these followers and they're driving, you know, fast cars and whatever. But I mean, yeah, it really is cool to see, like, cause there's kids these days. I mean, because of guys like, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk or whatever, where, you know, he goes around to garage sales and he just, you know, he picks up things for super cheap and then, you know, sells it online. I mean, there's kids these days that are, you know, making so much money that it's really crazy. I mean, the shift in entrepreneurship because of things like social media, it's really cool to see. Mm-hmm. It's leveled the playing field. So, like you don't need a ton of money to yeah. uh, blow up anymore. Awesome. Hey, yeah. bef- before I do my last question, um, I everyone needs to follow Chase. He's amazing. Um, he provides a lot of great value. How can people get in touch with you? How can they follow you? Yeah, so I'm willing to give out my phone number, my email, whatever I have to do. Follow me on Instagram. It's a flipping underscore San Antonio. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, if anybody wants my phone number, just hit me up on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I'm always willing to help out. So the best thing that you could possibly do in real estate is find people who are already doing it and just kind of emulate what they're, you know, what they're doing. So yeah. that'd be my biggest piece of advice. I love it. Thank you. And my yeah. last question Uh, It's my favorite question, but I'm very biased. Uh, What does the fight against mediocrity mean to you? Yeah, that is such a good question, honestly. So um, honestly, I, so mediocrity, it's, when it comes down to it, it's stagnation. You know, that's all it really is. So stagnation, if you look at almost literally every category, it's death, right? Whether, whether it's medically, financially, economically, it doesn't matter. Stagnation is death, right? I mean, if the blood in your veins becomes stagnant, you die. If your money runs out or it's stagnant, you're poor, you know? So um, honestly, death scares me (laughs) as it probably should. Um, Especially, I mean, if it means that you aren't really achieving what you want in life, the actual thought for me of waking up one day near the end of my life and realizing that you didn't do as much as you could, that's really scary right because at that point there's nothing you can do that's it times run out you know Mm -hmm. fighting i think is the other keyword here i think to you know fight against mediocrity in my opinion it's ever evolving it doesn't ever really stop there's no end there's no beginning it's just you're something you're always doing i think you know to fight against mediocrity it's it's a good goal to have because it's never really one you know like i said that can be reached in the sense it's kind of ever evolving so um, if we can push ourselves every single day, no matter what, to constantly, you know, fight against stagnation and ultimately death, I think we'd be a lot happier. Yeah, that's the paradox, right? The more you fight it, the happier you become. The, the harder it is, the happier you are. I love it. Thank 100%. you so much, Chase, for being on the podcast today. Um, if you're listening to this, go back to the beginning and listen to it again. Chase has dropped a lot of knowledge in here that I hope you change your life. Thank you so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.